You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Okay, uh, by way of announcement, just now that everybody is very attentive, from uh, Wednesday, the 1st of February, when the old currency will no longer be valid, we'll be fasting so that you can have plenty of it, the new one. Anyway, we'll be beginning a fast from 1st of February, and it's going to be on for just 21 days. And the purpose of the fast is that the will of the Lord be downloaded into our nation in this generation, in this time. Praise the Lord. We have learned that what God wants to do, because he inhabits eternity, he can wait out a generation that is not ready. But we are saying, Lord, do it in our time. Praise the Lord. That new Nigeria, that glorious Nigeria, that wonderful Nigeria, let it begin in 2023. In the name of Jesus. So we're going to be commencing on the fast. The most important thing about the fast is not just that you won't eat till we come to pray. Normally, we, we do fast this way. You can eat because some people say the nature of their work. So you can eat one meal a day. Okay? Or you can wait and break and then you can eat seven meals in that day. If you can. Okay? But the whole idea is that we'll meet every uh, day between five and six to pray. You know, for the 21 days, except for Sundays, definitely. And then on uh, Wednesdays, we're going to be having a regular midweek service. Okay? But for the rest of the days, we'll meet here at 5 to 6, so that we can, you know, beseech the God who said we should call on him, and he will do what? Answer us, and do great and mighty things, which we didn't know. So we'll see great things in this year, 2023, in the name of Jesus. And you will be a part of it. Tell your neighbor, you will be a part of it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. So, uh, next thing that I want to say, just before, while Momichi was rounding up, I had checked the Sunday school manual. So, those who attended Sunday school can actually go home because I think it's about, <laughs> you know, very interesting. I just had checked it. I don't normally check it, you know, maybe for any other reason. But I just looked at it and they are talking about humility, right? Okay, praise the Lord. Now, part of what it is laying the foundation also is that we are going to the Lord for Nigeria, okay? Part of the past, uh, the scriptures we looked at on Wednesday, 2 Corinthians 10, from verse 3 to 6, which is what we are using, you know, as the foundation or the theme for the fast. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now look at 6. Let's read 6 together, everybody. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You know, I had to be convinced because I was saying, Lord, this is not what I, I, I don't think this is what 
I should be sharing, you know, I mean, I don't share what I want to share, but when I'm told what to share, I begin to understand it, you know, it begins to add up, but this was almost like just completely off, okay? And I heard clearly, said, if you can get yourself, if I can get you, if I can get myself to a place of consciousness or awareness of 1% of God's goodness towards you, if I can get myself to a place of consciousness of 1% of the divine mercy, grace, and favor that I've received from the Lord and I'm currently enjoying, it says my whole life will be what? Transformed. Did you hear me? If I can get myself, if you can get yourself to where you are conscious, you are aware of 1% of the goodness of God towards you, Say your life will change, your level will change. Praise the Lord. Now that I'm sure someone is saying, Pastor, what do you mean by that? The Holy Spirit is going to help us, okay? But at the foundation of the problem of man is ingratitude. Is not knowing what God is already doing. If you don't know what God is already doing, you will not know what God will do. You won't see it when it comes. Praise the Lord, somebody. But just leave that. We're going to come back to that. So I just say the things the way so the Spirit of God will help us to, you know, put it together. It said pride. Let me say pride. So when we say this being ready to punish all disobedience, when your obedience is fulfilled, part of what it said is that some of the core strongholds we need to deal and curse in this nation is the spirit of pride. You know, in this nation, there are people who talk as if they built Nigeria. In fact, one man is saying he built Lagos. He's not even pretending about it. Okay? He was there before Lord Lugard. I lived in Lagos before he became governor, and I know the things that happened in Lagos. I know the things that Jaconde did. Jaconde transformed Lagos. Anybody who lived in Lagos will know that. Amarwa did a great job also. Rasaki tried a bit. Anyway, so pride is one of the things that we will tear down in this nation and raise a standard again so that any time a prideful man arises, he will not be able to stand for one day. But we've had a system where the spirit of pride is as though it's the fashionable spirit. So people talk as though they own the nation, as though they own people, as though they own their tribe, say, we will not vote, I will do this, I will do that. And you're wondering, you're one man, how can you be speaking for you know, 5 million or 10 million, is the spirit of pride. And why we're looking at this is because the Lord said, that pride that we see in them, we have to first deal with it in us. Praise the Lord. Because if we don't deal with the pride in ourselves, we will not have the standing to do what? Avenge the disobedience there. Now, I want to believe God that yours and mine are on a smaller scale. Praise the Lord. So it will be easier to pull down. Praise God. So that's part of what we're going to do. So come with me to Daniel 4. And we'll read the account of a man that, you know, had one of the rarest privileges I see men had with God. This man, you know, had God making effort. God just loved him. God just delighted in him. God just blessed him. And when he failed, God gave him chances and chances and chances. 
For time, I will not begin from verse 1, but from verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar had had a dream and invited his um, astrologers, his magicians, the Chaldeans and all of them, and he brought all of them to say, give me the interpretation of my dream. And none of them could, but finally he invited our elder brother Daniel. And I'd like to read from verse 18. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belshazzar, declare its interpretation. Since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you, and its interpretation concern your enemies. The tree that you saw which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the heaven had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field, till seven times pass over him. 24. This is interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king. They shall drive you from men, your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you. Read this part with me, everybody. Till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Just, you know, on the side. What God is requiring for us to enjoy him is not difficult. Praise the Lord. What's God's you know, if we can use the language of the young people. God's issue is not big. He said, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. 26 says, and inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the storm and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous. Thank God we're already there, right? In Christ Jesus. And your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lightning of your prosperity. 28. However, the Bible says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end, 12 months after that dream, at the end of 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon that I built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power? And for the honor of my majesty, while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar. To you it is spoken, the kingdom has what? Departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know 
that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour, the world was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. 34 now. And at the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. He said, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? Praise the Lord. He said, at the same time, my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom, my own and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice. And those who walk in pride, what does he do? He's able to put down. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. The Bible makes it clear to us that God resists the proud. Pride is something that God takes personal. And unfortunately, we don't take it seriously. Most times we don't, because partly because we don't understand what it is. Let me try and break it down. You see, pride is an unusual evil. Let me say unusual evil. Pride is an extreme, you see, there's sports and then there's extreme sports. How many of us watch extreme sports? Okay. Pride is an extreme evil in the sense that an ordinary evil, let's say robbery, okay? So if a man is robbed of his possessions, he's robbed of his car, of his shoes, of his uh, wristwatch, of his jewelry or whatever it is that he has, the robber takes the possessions of the man, but the man remains. Am I right? Okay. Almost every evil you commit against a man, there's something about him you don't take. His essence and his glory. Praise the Lord. But when a person is prideful or is proud, he robs the source of the glory, of his being, of his essence. So you don't just take his scars, you take him who he is. Is someone following me now? You see, the simplest picture that may help us with this is this. Okay? Imagine as beautiful a singer I am now, okay? And Momichi comes, you know, or the way John sang out his heart here, and he finished singing is a, you know, a secular event. He finishes singing, and then when it's time to take a bow, when the audience begin to applaud, I stand in front and just bow like this. You see, you're laughing. Do you understand? In fact, not even this type of thing. A soloist finishes a powerful rendition. Then you just walk in front of him. And they're clapping. Everybody's clapping. You'll see it. Is someone understanding him? You see, what you've done is that you have made him disappear. Whereas he is the source of everything. Is someone with me? That's what pride is. 
You see, because pride is a robber that just doesn't rob things. He robs essence. So, when God began to deal with Nebuchadnezzar, God was not interested in his kingdom. He gave him the kingdom. He gave him the power. He gave him the dominion. Everything that he had, he gave it to him. But his issue was Nebuchadnezzar was representing himself to the people as king of kings. No, you're a king. I made you king. So all God required of Nebuchadnezzar was, I am king Nebuchadnezzar, I'm great, but the great God made me king. That was all. To acknowledge that the most high rules in the affairs of men. So he is not here, but he gave me to be here. So when a man is proud, he disappears God. I read that when you offended Hitler, you know, in those days. When Hitler killed a man, he's not satisfied killing a man. Anywhere the picture of the man is, he has to disappear it. So that there is no record that the man ever existed. If there is a group picture where the man is, they cut off his face. So that the man is not just no longer alive, but there is no being that is imagined that bears that name. He understood what he was doing. He knew he was anointed by the devil. This is what pride is. Pride is a spirit that disappears the source. You see, in all our craziness, nobody here drives a car and removes Toyota. In fact, some of those logos are so expensive. Sometimes you wonder, why must I put Toyota logo on the car I paid for? Because I didn't make the car. I may have bought it, but somebody did what? I didn't make it. So, all those things are important. You watch television, they are doing a program halfway through. They say, let them acknowledge their sponsors. Because the world functions with you, with I, with everybody, knowing that what I may be here, but somebody is behind me. I am here because of somebody. Now, what pride does? Let me give you one or two scriptures. Proverbs 8.13. Proverbs 8.13 says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You know, and before now, this is the way I read this passage. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. But look at it now. You can see there is a semicolon after evil. So the fear of the Lord is to hate what? Let me hear it. To hate what? And they said evil is pride. That's what, when put a semicolon, you're trying to now explain. You say, this is what I say. Then you're breaking it down. So it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And the capital of evil is what? The devil did not steal land from God. What he stole was he was proud. That's the sin of the devil. That's the number one sin. The devil that God created. All of a sudden he says, I will arise. I will ascend the mountains. I will receive the worship of the people. He just wanted to take the place of God. So the Bible says, it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Semicolon. He says it is pride. And pride manifests what? Arrogance. And arrogance will bring what? Every evil way. And that will make what? Mouth speak perversely. Do we see that in our nation? Do we hear it on our televisions? That's why we have to deal with it ourselves. So when we stand, we are standing without any condemnation. Praise the Lord. Another scripture. Interesting one. Proverbs 6, please. Each time the Bible says God hates this thing, the capital of that area is always pride. Proverbs 6.16. Let's see what it says. It says these six things the Lord hates. It says, yes, seven are what? 
an abomination to him. What's the capital? 17. That's the capital. So we must have learned in Sunday school. When a man is humble, in fact, there are so many sides to it. When a man is humble, 90% of his problems has been dealt with. And then read somewhere that a, a man wrote. He said that oftentimes God meets us, okay, when we have a problem or when there is an enemy, you know, about to confront us. That God meets us and fights us to bring us to humility. Because when we meet any challenge facing us with humility, we can be 100% sure we will win that battle. Because God will always side with the humble. But if we meet any challenge in pride, we can be sure that God will not be on our side. So sometimes you may have had experience in your life where some things just happen that just humble you. It means God wants to, you know, give you a heads up. He wants to prepare you for something more serious so that you don't head into it, you know, with pride and then you suffer defeat. It's something that if you don't have proper understanding, it might seem to you that what is this thing that we're talking to us about? But God, who is spirit, who said that those who worship him must worship him how? In spirit and in truth. He's saying that I take this matter seriously. The matter of pride. And we can begin to break it down. I mean, it's so easy to see it in our leaders, right? But we can begin to break it down. You see, like we've said, it's robbing God or whoever the source is, okay? I mean, depending on which level it is. His being and his part in the process. And standing and saying, before me, there was nothing. So, we, we take a simple illustration of a, a good-looking man, you know? You know, recently, when I was preparing this, I had to say, God, forgive me. You know, where, before, about 10 years ago, when I stand, my stomach comes like this, but it has gone in a bit, right? Now, I notice that when I'm passing, when I see people that their stomach is coming out, I just be saying, Chai, God have mercy. <laughs> Do you understand? Because, you see, <laughs> God help you. If God doesn't have mercy on you, how many of us are trying to lose weight here? Oh, Lord. There will be days where I'll say I've added weight. Now, I'm not going to eat. That day, what I will eat that day alone will be more than what I ate for the last two weeks. You realize that whatever you are able to be, it is God that gave you the grace to become it. But you see, we're so quick to forget everything that you are, everything that is good that you have, Everything that you can raise your head about, if not for the grace of God, you won't have it. If not for the grace of God. And you see, the enemy has experience in just making you look around. You come into a room and you just scout around. And you look at all the people there and you judge that you are the king of the, this mountain. And immediately the way you answer greetings in that room changes. Because you have come in to people who... You are more beautiful than, more exposed than, richer than, and everything. What happens then is that the spirit of pride immediately infuses you. At that point, you can never be sensitive to what God is doing. Because the only person who should be exalted in every environment is who? Is God our maker. But pride makes you weigh yourself. And you know the Bible said something. The Bible says, don't compare yourselves amongst yourselves. He said, if we do that, what happened? He said, we are not wise. And don't we do that? We do that all the time. And if we did that to say everybody's better than me, I mean, it might, be, it might help a bit. But that's not the issue. You do not compare yourself. 
There is a source for everything, which was what God was trying to make Nebuchadnezzar understand. I made you that tree. The birds of the air, they nest in your branches. The beasts feed under you. You know, the whole nations fear and tremble before you. But I made you. Praise the Lord, somebody. But I made you. God is saying to you and I today, in what areas has pride filled your heart? Let's not talk about the issue of finances. That's the one that, you know, I think most of all will identify with, right? But I, I didn't want to start from there. Because it's beyond finances. It's every area. You know, you're married, you're a lady, you're married, and then you meet a lady and you have a bit of respect for her. Then the moment you find out that she's unmarried, you just feel, well, <laughs> you know, this single girl, uh, you know. All of a sudden, you have become the maker of husbands and the allocator of husbands. And then all of a sudden, you begin to find reasons why you're better off than this person. Why? Because God had given you a little privilege over her to your eyes. You don't even know. You don't know whether what she has in the eyes of God is better. But you see, the spirit of pride keeps coming. Why? Because its essence is to remove God from the picture. And when he removes God from the picture, the devil is free to do whatever he wants to do. That's why humility is a fruit of the spirit at every point in time. And humility doesn't mean you become nonsense. No. Look at the passage you read in Daniel 4. Look at what happened there, verse 36. I like that the Bible put it there. Verse 36, uh, Daniel 4. It says, at the same time, Nebuchadnezzar speaking. He said, my reason returned to me. So he was reasoning now. And for the glory of whose kingdom? My kingdom, my honor and splendor. So there was still honor. There was still splendor. They all returned to him. My counselors, nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom. And what? Excellent majesty was what? Added to me. All of that wasn't taken away. Why? Because 37 says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, now acknowledge that all this that I am, someone is the source. That's how we deal with pride. And then when you acknowledge that someone is the source, the wisdom in it is this, okay? Praise the Lord. If someone is the source, then I'm not the final arbiter. What it means is this now. If God made me or puts me in a position, okay, where I am in authority over you and, you know, I'm in a position of advantage over other people. As long as I remember it's God that put me there, you know what he does? It changes my focus on the privilege and sets it on the responsibility. Is someone hearing me? People who are prideful or proud, what they see only is the advantages and the privileges of where they are. The privileges of, you know, class, beauty, the money I have, I, I, I shoot you, I, buy, I lock you up, I, I arrest you, I arrest your father, I arrest your mother, I lock up your whole village. You see? That is a level, a manifestation of pride. A man who is humble, the more God blesses him, the more afraid he is because his understanding he's become a steward of greater responsibility. He's a steward. He looks back and knows that God handed this over to me. It's just like, you know, when you visit a, a mother that's just, you know, giving birth to a child. And they say, carry the baby. I don't know about you. But when you give me a little baby to carry, I don't even stand like this. I balance well. So that I, nothing must happen to this baby. So if I have my way, I will not carry. Until I had, you know, our children. 
I'm afraid of carrying them. Why? Because the responsibility, even to hold them, you don't know whether you're holding them too strongly. You know, whether, but people who have experience, they can hold them, throw them. I mean, I respect those people. But that responsibility immediately just dawns on me. And sometimes my hands are shaking. They're not shaking because the baby is heavy. They're shaking because I have a responsibility because something tender is placed in my hands. I get in now. When you understand what we're learning, you see that position is a responsibility. Prosperity is a responsibility. Exposure is a responsibility. Beauty is a responsibility. That you're good looking is a responsibility. That you're the MD of an office is a responsibility. Every of those things. And then, you know, like the one we're reading, that you're born again is a responsibility. Do you know that? We don't know it. That you're born again is a big responsibility. And let me tell you, if you don't take that you're born again serious, the world takes it serious. Some people will not get born again because of you. Because they say, ah, that brother is born again. He goes to church. To you, is like you just go and come back. But they monitor it. They say, ah, he goes. And then they look at you. And they say, he goes and does this thing. So why me, I don't go. Why shouldn't I do those things? It's a responsibility. I believe that's why Lord Jesus Christ said, if you want to be cold, you should be cold. If you want to be hot, be what? He said, don't be lukewarm. You're going to create confusion. So God is calling you and I, praise the Lord. God is challenging us to a place where every iota of pride is taken away from us. Why? So that he can fully back us up. Let's look at an account in Luke 12. It's a common one we know. It's the story of the rich fool. They called him the rich fool. I'm not the one. Luke 12, 13. He says, then one from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a rich man, you did what? Plentifully. Okay. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Since I have no room to store my crops. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so you have many goods laid up for many years. He said, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. 20. But God said to him, fool. Say, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now let's go back to 16. Let's see what happened here. The Bible says in 16, it says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded what? What yielded plentifully is the ground. Let me tell you. If you've been around long enough, you'll know that the effort that you made to be whatever you are that makes you proud. Some people have made more without having what you have. The ground of a certain man yielded plentifully. God said to the ground, oh, I yield. It wasn't anything the man did extra. It was God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. They told us that if you want your baby to have pointed nose, that when you have the baby, you should be pressing it like this. You can't be pressing what makes you beautiful? What makes you tough? Short man. There are some people that they can't stand short people. If they want to greet a short man, they greet him short man, good morning. What makes a tall man tall? Did he stretch himself? 
You see, we need to sit down and think. You say, I worked hard for my money. You know, we have some friends, then some, I think, British Americans, you know. I I made my money. I I worked hard for my money. How hard do you work? This morning, about five something, driving to church, I saw the people carrying their, those those are not even barrels. Those ones that construct, that they used to move waste. By five in the morning, you were probably still sleeping. Are you working harder than them? A house is built and they say the architect built this house. The architect didn't carry a bag of cement. Are you getting me? Some laborers carried it and they worked so hard, but they don't make the money. The ground of a certain man did what? Yielded plentiful. Don't forget that it's God that is blessing you. Every position you are, every privilege, everywhere you are, is God. Somebody says, I'm a first class brain. I've told you here, in my secondary school, I never forget that experience. One of the most brilliant people I know, and I know it was brilliant, not because I was his classmate. I mean, in school, classwork, he was brilliant. But I told you here, I'm a bit local, so we used to play draft. This guy will not just beat us fellow students in draft. He will jump the fence and then we escort him to where old men were playing draft. He will collect all their money and buy food for us. That's how smart he was. In the middle of Waek, I think it was physics. The guy just started saying something else. Just went off over charge. Brethren, the ground of a certain rich man did what? Yielded plentifully. And you know, when the Bible says the ground of a certain rich man, you understand it, right? But when you go back to the beginning, you see that you're also part of the ground. How did God make man? He took soil. So whatever I'm able to bring out, it is God bringing it out from me. I can do this, I can do that, I can do that. It's God bringing it out from me. And if I'm wise, I must know that it is God who works this work. And I will continually bow before him. I will continually give him the glory. I will continually acknowledge him. I'm going to show you one scripture about the ground so you see. What, something very, very funny and interesting. Leviticus 25, 23. Please, if you can give me the Living Bible or ERV, one of them. Okay? ERV. Try the Living Bible, please. Thank you. This is what God said to the nation of Israel concerning the land. He said, and remember... What? Help me. The land is what? He said, you may not sell it permanently. He said, you're merely what? My tenants and sharecroppers. You know what a sharecropper is? People who cultivate land, they don't buy the land. So, patience, you understand. They don't buy the land. So, they go and work the land. And then when the produce is harvested, they give the owner of the land some and then take some to survive. Okay? That's what it is. That's what we are. We are sharecroppers. That's why when the matter of giving to God comes up, if you struggle and say you're not giving to God, you have become a robber. You have become a thief because everything that you're standing on belongs to him. We are tenants and sharecroppers. Sharecroppers farm. What they get, they give the owner of the land and they say, thank you for this one. They can't be surviving on it. But the proud will never understand. They imagine they own the land. So today, God is saying, as we go to deal with the issues of our nation... Let us deal with this thing amongst ourselves. You see, pride is the same thing that will make a woman call her daughter-in-law man because she doesn't have a baby. Because what that woman is saying is that this my son-in-law, I went to the factory and manufactured him. I'm his producer. If the woman has any bit of sense, she will not think like that. 
nobody having this understanding will mock any other person for whatever reason. You don't have a child, then I think I'm better than you. What's the formula for producing children? H2O plus. <laughs> How do you do it? It's not understanding. But don't people do it every day? In fact, some people mock some people that even what you have is only girls. I have boys. As if there is a formula you have that you enter. <laughs> even you can't even enter your ATM and get new notes. <laughs> eh? As if there is a formula you enter and bring us. You know, the, the way the enemy so deceives man. That we think because privilege is accorded us. We sit back and judge everybody and think everybody. You know, in fact, the one, what, thank you Holy Spirit for reminding The one that I'm working on now is trying to know that it's not everybody that is quick to understand. You know, some of us, that's the one that annoys us. Ah, what's, it, what's difficult in this thing to understand? Eh, let me call a Chinese man. Another Chinese man says, okay, okay, okay. Then can they look at you and say, why are you not understanding what he said? You're able to understand because it's been given to you to understand. You're not better. So your responsibility is to explain until the person what understands. As simple as that. In fact, sometimes I have to laugh at myself. I say, I really expect too much from people. I really do. You know, I say, God, help me because I really do. You know, I just say something. I expect that the person should know that, that this is what it is. But, you know, we have all those issues. Another one is the issue, and I have to talk about this since I talked about, you know, the one of difficulty bearing children. Let me tell you, as a woman, if you're here listening to me or if you know anybody, any woman that disrespects the husband because the husband who is making effort doesn't have money is proud. She's mad. You know why? That man can be a thief and become a millionaire. He can become a kidnapper. Do you want him to be a kidnapper? Answer me. The wife says, do you want any of that? But the man every day is laboring, but he hasn't fallen through. Then you look at him, useless man. Useless man because the end is not justifying the means. And nobody says that if God has not started giving them small, small coins, if the woman is poor and the man is poor, they don't normally say that. When they begin that insult is when the woman feels what's in this thing and making money. Forgetting that that money you're making is the grace of God trying to sustain the family until the time for the man reaches. But because it flows into the house through you, all of a sudden you raise, you're raised up in your estimation. And when you look at the man, you just say he's just sitting down. Look at him. When you give him food and he's eating, say, see the way he's eating. He doesn't even know how much things are in the market. He's just eating. You're looking at him. Eh. So you know how much things are in the market, Abby? Do you understand? We assume too much of ourselves. Somebody says, I'm the one bringing money into the house. Do you know there are people who are working harder than you that are not bringing anything? You're bringing something because God said, let it be. You should lift your hands and say, Lord, I thank you. And you call your family and say, we are blessed. God has made a way. Hallelujah. But you see, man likes to disqualify God. Just remove that soloist everywhere. I'm the only one. Because that's the only thing that can make you think like that. Because if you see God as the one giving it to you, you'll be thanking him. You'll be saying to God, thank you that at least something is coming. There are families that God sustains to a child. God knows everybody in the family. And he says, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give this child and open a door. And for a season, it's coming through the child. Uh, Pele just died recently, okay? Pele's parents didn't have enough money to buy him football shoes. 
Even football, he used to tie either newspaper or nylon to play with. But when he began to play at 16, 17, the level of his parents changed. Imagine if Pele would look at the parents and say, useless parents. Don't you think? Who is the source? Pride denies God as the source, puts itself and decides I make all the judgments. That's why we can have a nation like this. There are no two nations as blessed as Nigeria. But the people who have had the privilege of leadership in Nigeria are filled with pride. So when they look at us, they just look at us. They, you know, even when you even see them physically. The only time we have a bit of value is election season. After election season, according to that, they shoo us like flies. Come on, go there. Get away. Why? Because they've imagined that they're special class of beings because opportunity was given to them. Whereas that opportunity should be interpreted as responsibility. When God takes away pride, what you have is a sense of obligation to honor the giver and to serve. We are stewards. That's all I'm trying to say. Now, because of time, let, let me try and quickly wrap this up. On Wednesday, we looked at something very important. We are looking at strongholds by the grace of God. We might be able to still look at it again. And we saw how generations of the... Um, okay, we, we talked of African Impala, but let, let me talk the one that... Um, the red deer in Germany and uh, Czechoslovakia. These animals, okay, during the Cold War, there was a wire fence between Germany and, you know, Czechoslovakia. So when these uh, red deers got to that wire fence, they couldn't cross, okay? They had to go back. Those who tried, you know, were shocked or something. Now, the iron cutting, the fence, was put down in 1989. The lifespan of a red deer is 15 years. So the youngest that was born in 1989 by 2005, right, would have died. But up till today, no red deer crosses that fence, even though the fence has been removed. Are you following me now? So there's a line where their forefathers, when they got to, they never went beyond it because something shocked them. And it was transmitted in their DNA that you don't go beyond this line. Now, if you go to where the fence was, the electric fence was, what you have there are trees, open land, that anybody can walk through. But something had been registered in this red days that our generation does not cross this line. Are you with me? Now, for the Christian, something must register in your head. Say amen. amen. For me to be a Christian, what the Bible says in Romans 10, 8 and 9, put it on the screen. Romans 8 and 9 says that for me to be a Christian, verse 9 in particular, it says, I must what? Believe. 9, please. It says, that if I confess with my mouth, what, the Lord Jesus, and believe in my heart that, what, God had raised him from the dead, I will be saved. Now, salvation is that all of a sudden, you, sir, you, sir, your limitation and your life is no longer determined by you. You have a champion whose genes are now inside of you. So you are no longer restricted or held bound by your abilities. The abilities and the capabilities of Christ are now possible in you. So what Christ did when you're saved, you can do. What Christ didn't do when you're saved, you can do. So the apostle Paul says, I can do all what? Things through Christ who strengthens me. So the Christian is never proud. 
but he's never weak. He is strong. The Bible says, therefore now be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You see, there is humility that produces a boldness because I'm humble because it's not in me, but I'm strong because he that dwells in me is mighty. Is somebody getting what we are talking about? So when we are dealing with pride, I'm not saying where you go out from here now, you start moving like a uh, 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 busu. You know the one that is busu? Cat. Pussycat. You start moving like, no, no, no. It's an understanding that is not in me. Joseph said to Pharaoh, it's not in me, it's not in me to give the interpretation. But my God will give you an interpretation of peace. Pharaoh speak. And when Pharaoh spoke, what did he do? Joseph became a vessel, downloaded the, God, the will of God, and interpreted it. That's the understanding. But a proud man can never attain that level. Because a proud man feeds from his resources. Everything he does is what he can do. I told us here, there are levels of prosperity God wants to take people to. But they won't be proud people. There are people who just understand that they are agents, they are SPVs for the kingdom of heaven. They are just vessels in the hands of God. They know that as I'm going for this negotiation, I'm on behalf of God. We, we have a friend, you know, some time ago, who many years ago in Abuja, when agency was 5%, legal fee or agency, whatever, he was charging 15. And he said he's a child of God. And people were paying double. He was charging double. And he asked him, see, by the anointing, simple. So as we are dealing pride now, it doesn't mean you diminish. So if you're the case of the man or the mother or whatever case, where instead of pride coming up, you go to the Lord and say to the Lord, you did this, you did that, you did that. Do this now. As simple as that. Let's rise on our feet. There is a God in heaven. So we get to understand. There's a skill to working with God. Anywhere you appear is not you. You see, I told us about the red there because what their generation transmitted was a restriction. But everyone who is in Christ, the Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world. What? Our faith. What is our faith? Our faith is that Jesus Christ died and rose again. Our faith is that Jesus is the son of God. Our faith is that Christ is in us and is the assurance of glory. So if you're listening to me in this generation of Nigeria, you are not ordinary. Are you with me? You're not ordinary. When you look in the mirror, you know, motivational speakers will say, go and look in the mirror and affirm yourself. When you finish affirming yourself, sit down and open the Bible and see that he died and death could not hold him captive. For even in the grave, Jesus Christ is what? Lord. You know what that means? It means that there is no dog that can be shot. There is no place that they can say it's impossible. When you hear impossible, you say, my generation has dealt with impossible. For now, with God, all things are possible. People of God, we take away pride. We clothe humility. But humility with power. Humility with audacity of faith. Humility with boldness. So you pray and you enter the room. And I say, who is this one? You're laughing because they're looking at you just They're seeing you. But you're speaking in the name of Jehovah. You're speaking under an anointing. You're carrying an auction. That's why when, when the Bible says in that uh, second Corinthians then we looked at, when it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, it's saying the weapons of our warfare, you can't calculate it. You don't add it up. You, say, you don't say that 15. You don't say that 10. Because Elijah was one. The prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah were 800 and something. But because Elijah had God with him, he could stand and confront them and say, let's go to a challenge. When they cry, they, definitely the prayers of 800 and something people will be more audible. But the prayers of Elijah had the password. He said, let it be known that I've done all these things according to your word. And immediately the fire fell. That's what we're talking about. A shift. He didn't say I'm Elijah. 
He said, you sent me. Pride says, I am who I am. I am everything. In a me, in a me. But humility says, I have a God who is always by my side. I have a God who cannot fail me. I know a God who has gone ahead of me. I have a high priest. You see, humility is so sweet when you get into it. Praise the Lord. Because, you see, you know, sometimes... I'll be so afraid of coming before you. Did you know that? Do you think I just bounce in? If you're sensitive, you see that when I come here, when I come out, I'm so afraid because I don't know what is going to happen. Then sometimes when I now listen to what I'm saying, I say, oh boy, they talk. How you just open mouth like that? You see, what happens is this. When I'm there, I'm myself. But when I come here, the one who sent me backs me up. And I say things I don't know. I say it with the boldness I don't have. Okay? Why? Because the anointing teaches me all things. So, I keep humbling myself. Why? Because the more I go down, the more he can manifest himself in me. So, is there any area you have struggled with? Maybe you should ask yourself. Somebody, you know, you're struggling in one area. Maybe you should search whether you're representing yourself. We have a friend. I've mentioned her to us here before. Very beautiful lady that time. And, you know, I think in that moment she said, well, oh, uh, so, so person, you're so beautiful. Say, if I'm so beautiful, why, why hasn't a husband come? You see, it, it's a statement, but there's something in it. It's not beauty that does that. Neither is it ugliness that keeps it from happening. You see, the child of God just understands there is a God in heaven. He's the orchestrator. My times are in his hands. It is to him I look. It is to him I depend. And if there's any way I've touched glory, Lord, I return it to you. I am not my maker. You see, if Toyota made my car, Jehovah made my head. And I say my head will be correct. My hands will prosper. Jesus is the one inside of me. He's my deliverer. He's my advocate. When I go to the heavens, I don't go in my, I don't say, uh, look, uh, the man that pays tight has come. The man that uh, does this has come. No, if I do that, they will not open the door. But when I come in the name of the high priest, the one whose sacrifice was acceptable unto God, the one whose blood was spotless, the one who the father looked at and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, the one who did all things well, the one who said, not my will, but your will be done, the one who after he died, despite principalities and power, and made a public speaker and rose again and said to you and I, all authority in heaven and on earth has been what? Given to say, go therefore. It's in that name that I go. That's what Christians do. So we go in that power, but not with pride. Open up your mouth and begin to talk to the Lord. So first of all, deal with every issue. Lord, forgive me. If it's been an attitude, if I've judged somebody, if I've looked down on somebody, or maybe I've even thought too much of myself, you know, some people say, some people are too proud that they can't even take an attempt that they won't be sure that they will succeed. Because they say, ah, no, I can't go and ask for that thing because they'll say no. If you're not going in your name, if they say no, and then, and then, and then, and then you say no. And I didn't send myself. And then, but today we're coming to say no. I have a master. I have a maker. I'm working for somebody. I'm living for somebody. You see, that's what the Christian understands. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ that is the one that is living in me. So, is there glory? I return it to him. Is there a battle? I step aside and he has to fight it for me. I invite God, fight for me. Why? Because you are all that I have. You're my source and you're my strength. You're my confidence. You're my victory. You're everything to me. I will worship you, Lord. I will bless you. Now, as we have dealt with the pride, let's begin to receive grace for assurance that it is not in us. 
it is not in you. Whatever it is God has put in your heart, whatever it is that God wants to do, the year is still young. 2023 is ahead of us. Glorious things will be done. Not because it's not me. Because the grace of God. The Apostle Paul says, I labored much more than every one of them. Yet, I think, I know it's not me. <laughs> I know it's not me. I know it's not me. So, the battles that are ahead of you, the issues that are ahead of you, begin to let the Lord know that you have been my fighter. You have been my victory. You have been the source of my strength. The Bible says, for whatever is born of God. Another way you can put it, uh, whoever is born again overcomes the world. Why? It says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. So, I'm living here, not my own. I don't belong to myself. When the victory comes, I won't take it. When the success comes, I won't take it. Whatever it is comes, it's not for me. I'm under the banner of the Lord Jesus. I will not dare speak in pride because I know he's my source. He's my strength. He's my wisdom. He's my righteousness. He is my sanctification. He is my peace. He is everything to me. And because he's at my back, he said, therefore, he said, go therefore, all authority has been given to me. That's the word I live with us as we go into the month and as we go into the fast. All authority, the things that God has purposed to do, it has pleased him to do it by us. And the ones he's already done by us, we give him the glory. We give him the praise. Lord, we acknowledge you. The glory and the lifter of our head. No, I will not share your glory. But I'm hungry for more victories in your name. I will acknowledge you. I look in my life, I see what you've done. I see the mercy you have shown me. I see preservation, I see deliverance. I see steps being ordered. I see wisdom that is not normal to me. I see caution, areas where I would have lost it completely. But I see that you hedged me in. Your mercy redirected my folly. My foolishness did not destroy me. You got in and shut the door. I would have fallen by the wayside. But your mercy intervened for me. This morning, Lord, I come to say you deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. You deserve the worship. I come to bless you. I come to bless you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, it says, Now thanks be to God who always causes us, who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. And through us, he diffuses the fragrance of Christ in every place. This morning, Lord, I come to say thank you. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.